Hi, I'm Nagin Seyrafi. Thank you for tuning in. In this episode, I'm speaking with Chidiogo Akunili Parr. Chidiogo is a writer, speaker, storyteller, movement builder, and founder of She Roars, a community of empowered women across the world unleashing their roar. She is a World Economic Forum Global Leadership Fellow and has been named 100 Most Inspiring Women in Nigeria by The Guardian. Recently, Chidiogo completed writing her first book, slated to be published in 2021, which outlines the story of her mother, Dora Akunili, who passed away from cancer in 2014. In this conversation, Chidi and I discuss her upcoming book and learn about her relationship with her mother, her spirituality, and how she has learned to navigate grief and heal from loss. The content in this episode is sensitive and maybe triggering for some listeners, Please ensure there is no one under the age of 18 tuning in. Chidi, thank you so much for being here. You have done something which I think is remarkable, which is that you started and finished writing a book. From what we've talked about, this book almost came through you. You were guided by spirit. I know you're going to tell us a little bit more about that, but I would love to know what it felt like for you the moment you started writing the first page. The truth is that before I put the first words on paper, I spent many, many months and weeks with the words in my mind and in my heart, jotting things down in pieces of paper, notebooks, and really just constantly sitting, meditating, sleeping with, waking up to this story and asking always, What is it that you want to be? What is the voice that you want to be? What is the way that you want people to receive you? What is your message, right? Because in the beginning, there's nothing. It's literally could be anything. It could be a poem for all I I, I was ready to to explore, children's book or short story or, or, or a fantasy. It could be anything. And I was open to all of it. So I kept asking. So to your, to your point on it being a spirit conversation, it really has been a journey of asking, almost viewing the book as its own being and checking in what is it that you want to be and how can I midwife you? Mm. And then the first words was sort of the, okay, I'm ready. Let's do this. I have heard you share that you ask questions and then you write and the answers come through you. How did you learn that practice and how how do you trust it? I was recently sharing yesterday actually with a friend who just um, came from a medicine journey, how it was a medicine journey and a retreat experience that happened in Peru that unlocked my inner voice for me. I can say with all truth that before that, your inner voice always is, but to fully hear it and know it to be a voice and sort of have that curiosity of going, who are you? What's going on here? That happens to me in a retreat space. And the journey of trust in it has been that of engaging and listening and always seen validating how invariably the messages that have come through have led me to the greatest gifts of my life. And 
I think the one that anchored it was when this voice invited me to go to Burning Man. And I'd never been to a festival. I honestly, to heavens, did not know what Burning Man was until I stepped foot <laughs> on the playa. And it was there that I met my partner. And there was a very clear message, go, go. And I wasn't quite sure of the voice then. But after that, after going to this place and meeting someone that's become very, very important in my journey, that has led me to fully know that there is something beyond me that is also within me, that is constantly guiding me. And the more I listen, the more I can discover things that I couldn't on my own. You know, how do I come up with Burning Man when I've never even heard of it? So there are things, there are experiences like that where something that is not within my own imagination comes to me and then I follow the threads and then it leads me to myself ultimately and my truth. So that's that journey. It's been a journey of curiosity, experimentation, trusting, reflection, and seeing all the ways that that voice is true. The book, is about healing. When I set off to write it, I did not know that it would be about my own healing as as well. That word healing came to me from beyond. My mother passed away and that the book is based on my mother's life and she passed away in um, 2014. And her voice came to me later telling me to write her story and within that, that it was about healing. And I remember being confused because I didn't fully understand what she meant. And at the same time, understanding that her, the silence that came after that was a way of saying or sharing that I already knew without knowing what she meant by healing. So the book has been a journey of understanding that word healing, the many dimensions of healing, the, the medicine of story, telling her stories, healing for her, healing for the people who will connect with it and see themselves in her story, the story of this woman who lived an incredible life, very difficult life from, you know, the, the literal story of rags to riches to rags to you know it's just went through war went through a lot of a lot of very difficult experiences was orphaned at a very young age left home very young family um separated but ultimately had this deep 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 sense of self and sense of purpose and the book is sharing that essence with the world that we might all connect to our own North Star, the healing that comes for the world when every one of us can connect to the truth of our purpose. I have spoken to a few friends about their journey of reconnecting with their family members after their family members have transitioned. So often I hear, I felt closer to them after they were gone I communicated with them more after they were gone. And I've personally never experienced this, but it seems to have come up enough times 
to feel very tangible for me as someone who has not had this experience themselves. What part of you and your mother, Dora, Dora Akunyeli, yeah? What, what part of you, Chidi, healed and what, what part of Dora do you think healed through this, the writing of this book? Oh, wow. That's a really, really beautiful question. So her name is Dora Akunyeli. And she's larger than life. But that often means that all people seize her strength. But the truth is that everyone has their vulnerability. I believe that her healing, I'll start there, is allowing the world to know the woman behind the Amazon, behind this warrior queen woman that was just so larger than life, but was all too human and felt pain and loss and loneliness and despair like every one of us and how that propelled her and at the same time how that broke her. And I think her healing is to be heard and seen because she was, she's, she was seen in one way, one dimensional in her power. And that was a big part of her story. But who was the woman behind Dora? And I think her healing is that she can share that with the world in a way that can allow us all to be with our human and heal our human. Because when perhaps we live for the, just the strong part is always leading, something gives. So I believe her healing is the healing that she couldn't do in this life, which is to hold space for the part that was more vulnerable and the little girl that was orphaned and was alone so early and never learned to be vulnerable and be a child. And my healing within that is to honor her story, hear her voice, trust her story that when it's come from within that, realizing that she carried me in her womb, um, probably one of the most difficult times in her life. Never having connected that before. And when you're writing a story, timelines become very clear. And then to realize the conditions under which I was bur- I was incubated and to know that a lot of my pain and struggles in this life comes from, know that fully comes from what I experienced of her own pain while I was in her womb. And to understand where she was, understand that pain when she was pregnant with me, if at all she wanted to be pregnant, which there was a lot of pain in her relationship in that moment that I don't believe that she did. But if she had to be, then at least I, was, I should have been a boy. And that much was clear to me from a young age that a boy was wanted and that I was not that. And there was something about that disappointment of my birth that had followed me in a way that I've now become conscious of healing whenever I don't feel enough, knowing that the seeds were planted very early, literally. That's a big healing for me, as is for her, that I know as well that I am wanted and here she is 
um, allowing me to serve her story in this way. What do you want to say to her now? If she was sitting with you in this moment, what would you say to her? I wish we had more time. Yeah, I feel like she died right before I grew up. I know it's just six years ago. Yeah, I wish we had more time that I could know her now, that from this lens of me and her now, that I could talk to her. I would really, really, really appreciate that. Yeah, I wish we had time. And at the same time, I'm so grateful that we've had this time, even in death. A very good friend of mine, Mathura, once asked me, do you know what was happening in, your, in the womb? Like what was happening around your mother when you were in the womb? And I'd never thought about how important, like we think of life from the moment that we enter, our bodies enter. But energetically, when we're in the womb, we are also absorbing not just our mother's energy, but what is happening around them. I love the way you painted this beautiful picture of your mother, Dora. And I feel, this, this might sound very strange, but I feel her presence. And perhaps it's because it's coming through you. You described her as a warrior queen. And I see you that way. And you also described her as human and vulnerable, which is a part of her that not many people saw. And I feel that you embrace both of those parts of yourself and you give the world the full spectrum of Chidi. I think it's important to reflect that is partly because of what you experienced with her. And that is sometimes I find our parents teach us very direct lessons about life, but many of the lessons are written between the lines that we can see. And I feel like I can see some of the things that Dora taught you without maybe being super aware that, that she was teaching you. What do you want people to know about your mother? I would like that you know that she, she was a miracle of a human in a way that was intimidating. But within that... She was extremely flawed, but her magic was that she was so okay with it. <laughs> she just had, in, in a way that I've never really seen another human before, she's just um, very at peace with who she was. I think it, it stemmed from her deep, deep trust in self. She had a deep trust in her mission on this earth. And she fully trusted in God and had such a deep relationship with God in a way that allowed for her to always shine and trust her shine, even when she was showing up in ways that were flawed. She trusted that it was just part of her path. This is to say there was something about her peace with all of herself, including her pain. She was at peace. The parts of life that was not easy, she was at peace. The parts of her 
that were showed up with anger or frustration or sadness. She just never wished any of her away. And that's something that I would like for people to know. And there's something about the full trust that everything that she was was happening for her, not to her. One maybe small example is she was a very confident person. So we we would walk into church and there's a thousand people in church and we're late and she had six children. So it's a a harem. And um, my mom would walk straight to the front and that's something I can't do. I'd rather crawl under and like die. But she had this confidence in self and this don't care attitude that was just fully focused on what do I desire. I would like to sit in front of the church. And that's all that matters in a way that was almost unreal. And then we'd all like be cringing behind her and following <laughs> or like sneaking up in different parts of the of the church. But this seemed like very separate points, but ultimately it's she was at peace with herself. The silly, the boisterous, the angry, the overwhelming, the all parts. She embraced them all and she showed up in that way whenever she whenever possible and that maybe does not feel like it's connects to what i said about the vulnerability and in truth that was the one part that she didn't fully embrace and thinking about it she was rarely vulnerable and if ever it would only be with us her children very rarely with anyone else she had few friends and many many acquaintances I can only imagine what it must have been like to to lose her in physical form. I think many of us are anxious about the truth, the reality that our parents will pass on, will transition. It's this reality that at some point in our childhood, we, I, I mean, I don't remember the first time I learned that everyone dies, but I do know that from a very young age, I knew that my parents were going to pass on so much so that when they would get into fights and then they would go into their rooms and they would separate and sometimes they would take a nap. I would, I would uh, sneak in and I would sit and, and just watch them breathe because I wanted to make sure that they hadn't extended themselves so far as to have passed in their sleep. So there's this inherent fear and anxiety, but also this acknowledgement and acceptance that we all pass and many of us will see our parents pass on. Bring us into your world. What, what was that experience like? So I would start by saying that that acknowledgement of passing starts with the person themselves. And in her case, she was not ready to move on at all till the very last days. Um, she had terminal cancer and she fully believed after doctors told her that there was nothing more they could do. She had months to live. She fully, fully believed that she would be healed. So I think that made it difficult because what this meant in reality was that we couldn't say goodbye because she was not open to us saying goodbye because that would be 
a disqualification of her faith. And it was, she had to be so strong in that faith because that's, you know, that's the belief she carried that, you know, I have to be strong enough to convince the universe that I trust. And when I trust, you know, because I've always moved mountains, I can move this mountain. So that was her personality. She could do anything and God by her side. So she fully, even when she was frail and clearly declining steadily, she was so sure that she would be fine. And that made it very hard. There was never once time to say goodbye, even though she was sick for years before she ultimately um, let go. And the painful part was that the last weeks, week plus of her life, she was in Bangalore in India, and only my sister could be with her. So in the space that we could have said goodbye, because in that last days, she finally saw that she was dying. We couldn't be there. And I think that was painful for her, most certainly. I can imagine to not to be alone when you die. I think it's a terrible thing. She wasn't alone. My father was there, my sister, but we're six children, you know? And our wish is that we could have all been around her. But she and she died in pain and alone, ultimately, in the room that she was in, because that was the situation in Bangalore. So that was a little of an awful experience. So this meant that when the news came, it was a phone call. And at the same time, you you want to be sad, but you're happy because she'd been in so much pain at the end. Because what happens is when there's a struggle to live, it means you're not really managing. She wasn't able to manage the pain to let go she was still having chemo the last days of her life and intubation and all of that. So there was a lot of pain and it didn't feel like it was worth it anymore for her to be alive. And um, so you're celebrating that she's now at peace after such a long struggle. At the same time mourning that you're not there, mourning that it was such an awful end. Once that celebration ends, because there is the celebration, which is odd, right? Because there's sadness, but there's also a joy. It was really a very odd journey of realizing that grief was not straightforward for me. And finding that I judged myself for showing up at work a day later, thinking that I should be more devastated, I should be less functional, really just wanting to embody something, a story I had been told in perhaps movies or what have you, of how I'm meant to grieve. And the journey has led me to see that it's an extremely personal journey. I think, you know, it's it took years for me to fully start grieving. I think even writing this book has been part of that journey of grieving. So, and I think for every one of my siblings, everybody had a different experience of that grief. So yeah, it's personal and whoever needs to hear this, it's, there's no way to be with loss. Just be with it. Whatever way it's coming up, just be with it. I think it's the best I can say. And that's been a journey. And I think at the end of that journey is a celebration 
you know, of her life. We, as me and my siblings, we've become closer since she passed because it's something, something united by this loss, right? And we created a family WhatsApp that is <laughs> very active. And that happened days after she died, you know, and around her funeral. And um, and yeah, I think we're closer than ever before because we we all came together in this time of loss, given that we all left home so early. I left home at the age of nine and most of my siblings left at 10 or it's boarding schools far away in Nigeria. So yeah, we weren't together. We didn't grow up together, but it feels like not unlike the relationship with my mom happening after her passing, our own relationship as brothers and sisters is also solidifying in her passing. So this is to say that there is a blessing that comes from loss as much as from life. But the most painful part was that she wasn't ready and that we could not say goodbye. Do you feel like you've said goodbye with this book? I feel like when I have the copy, when I see, when I have it, and I it fully manifests into, because, you know, it still feels like a manuscript. I, I still hope it will evolve because right now it's only me in it. And I'm really calling in the people that will shape it and mold it. Um, I once had a reading by a friend of, of mine that was encouraging me at a moment. I was trying to tap into my mom a little bit more strongly. And uh, she's a medium and she called, she came in and she's like, your mom actually doesn't want me to do a reading. She just wants you to know that you don't need a medium, that you already hear her. And I was like, oh my goodness, like that sounds like my mom. No, just tell me what to do. I just want to hear it. And we're like, no, she, she really wants you to trust that you already hear her. And then specifically, she's like, your mom is holding the book. This was months ago, year, year plus ago. It's already written. This was when I was not close to done and I really needed that encouragement. It's like your mom is holding the book and she's so proud. It's already written. All you have to do is to allow it to come through. So there's something about that moment I hold it to know that she holds it as well and that she's held it from the very beginning and that this is like the literal handover. Here it is and I get to hold her. And I think that would be... I don't know if it will be, ever be a goodbye, but uh, it'll be a peace. It'll be, I see you, and a wink. And But I don't know that there'll ever be a goodbye in that way. Because in many ways, I, I feel she walks with me now. Many times now I go, I literally just talk to her. Like I do with my spirit, I have my mom's voice, I have my spirit, I have, you know, I have the different voices that I reach to, and she's one of them. I love that you touched on that because there's a part of me that believes or wants to believe that what we actually say goodbye to is the physical body, and the process of grieving and healing is the openness and acceptance to saying hello to the spirit and embracing the spirit. And as long as we are attached to the physical form of our loved ones, it's so much harder to have the relationship with the spirit. But from everything that you've said today and many days and many conversations ago, I feel that you, your spirit and her spirit have, have deeply connected. You have been on your own motherhood journey. What has that been like for you? Mm -hmm. 
There's a lot there. I always think I've healed and then it's like it opens up again. So I don't think this wound heals. So just I was actually last night just realizing I was pregnant. I think this time last year around. So that was that was tough for me to realize and started thinking that the baby would have been a couple months old and all of that. So yeah, I had to terminate that pregnancy. It had Turner syndrome. She had Turner syndrome. And um, yeah, I really bonded with that, with her. I, I could hear the child. We like, I could, the way I hear my spirit, I could, could speak with this child and, it always told me that it might not stay, you know, but I, I didn't want to understand it. So I got really attached and um, it was tough to have to terminate a pregnancy. And then I got pregnant again and that was a little easier because I didn't bond. <laughs> and there was not really, I had a, the first pregnancy was difficult and I was, I felt pregnant and my body changed and um, I was very sick for a long time. And so there was all that, there was a journey. And then to find out that the child would make it and to be with the journey, to still be pregnant for weeks after knowing that it, and still be sick and still feel all the symptoms. I think that was a little torturous. But the second one felt a little more straightforward once I knew the those heartbeat, no heartbeat, and it was an earlier part phase of the pregnancy. But a few things that um, I really I found out that my mom too had had mis- three miscarriages, which I didn't know. My father just sort of like, oh yeah, you'll be fine, like your mom also, and it's something she never mentioned. And apparently, she had been really sad about it, but never came up again. All our lives, none of my siblings knew. No one else that we know knew but my father. So it goes back to what I was sharing about the she kept her pain quiet. This is hard to keep quiet, so I'm, I really see how much she kept to herself. I think in my case. What's tough is that um, my body still carries the the signs of what was. It's I don't have the same body as I did a year ago. It really changed very quickly, and um, then there's no and I don't have a baby, so I think I get triggered sometimes by that through my body, especially when I feel low about my body. And then it's just such an easy spiral to feel bad about my body, bad about myself, failure as a human, as a woman, as as a wife. There's a lot to unpack there. And rationally, I know I didn't do anything and all of that, and I don't feel it as a truth. When I want to be sad, that's a voice that comes up. Yeah, it's it's been a journey to heal this pain, and I know that it will take time. Sometimes I want to say I'm not gonna, I don't want to have a child anymore. I'm done. So it's 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 a journey. But what I find is that I constantly have to give space to grief, 
And whenever I think I'm all done, it comes up again and I have to give space. And it's incidentally, last night was a big one. It came up after a month, two months, it hasn't come up, no pain, no. And last night it came up again. But it's changed me in a really beautiful way. A few things I've learned to see that I use anger to hide my pain. When I was feeling the most pain, I would also be overwhelmed by so much anger. And there was no other reason but the pain. And that was the first time I could really fully see that, that that was how I manifested pain. And to allow myself to heal that by just, okay, that's what's happening. I'm feeling pain. Not judge that anger, rather just see my pain. And also I have this deep trust in the universe from it. I had a whole incident with rainbows that I felt was a sign. The day I found out that the second child wasn't going to make it, I walked into the streets like minutes later and there were two massive rainbows in the sky. And I literally just stared crying because I felt very clearly that it was my babies, my kids, because in many ways they are still, even if they were not born. And they were, they were just there, just telling me it was going to be okay and that they were always there. And that's how it feels, like they're always there and they will always be there. And I'm trusting that it was not time for birth into life, but that journey was a preparation very important preparation of healing and trusting and body healing and spirit healing and mind and partnership and that wound from my own birth that had to be healed as well and has been healed that can allow me not to pass that on so all of that is the journey i'm on and i'm i trust it ultimately only rarely do i like sort of like god why why me most of the time I have a peace with it, but it, it still hurts. And that's okay. You've experienced such deep loss and grief. What do you think it is teaching you? Perhaps to not be afraid of pain. Not to be so afraid as to push it away. To know that there's a lot of healing that comes from feeling that pain and feeling that grief and feeling that loss and also healing my journey with my body and my sense of self, prepping me, I think, for what's to come. Because I think all of the strength that is coming from this loss and grief will serve always. But at the core is to not ever doubt that everything is okay and never to despair and trust in even more so that this had to happen for the miracle that will be and to realize that you know the child that will be would not have been if all that happened did not happen and i'm trusting that this child needed everything to happen to be able to come and incarnate there are folks who are listening who may be in the depth of sorrow, folks who've just lost a loved one, folks who aren't certain of what comes next for them in the future, maybe feeling deeply alone. What do you want them to know? You're not alone. 
You're never alone, even when you feel the most alone. Lean on the guides that you have with you. They want more than anything to support you in your most difficult of times as much as your most um, triumphant of times. So I would invite you to always remember that. Ultimately, I don't know your story. But what I do know to be true is that we are never alone. And that has been my greatest support in the darkest of times. And I invite you to lean into those that want to be there for you. And they sometimes, many times, are living as much as they're in the spirit realm. You don't have to do it alone. Thank you for your time and presence and for subscribing to my podcast. I send monthly emails where I share stories, teachings, insights, and frameworks to help us transform the way we live, work, relate, and create. Visit my website, naginserafi.com, and subscribe to become a part of my growing community. Until next time, be well and in love.